Hey, Fairborn City Manager Rob here. Welcome to Rumor Has It. I'm here with Megan Howard. Hi, Megan. Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good. I am excited today. We have an amazing guest. I'm very excited to talk about Erin Smith-Glenn, who is a Fairborn resident. I'll let her talk about her background, but she is an art professor at Central State University, uh, an accomplished artist in her own right. And so we are going to have her tell her story today, and I can't wait to get into it. We had some discussion before we started and probably should have recorded that, frankly, because it was really <laughs> good stuff. Uh, but welcome, Aaron. We're so happy to have you Thank here. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit. So let's talk about yourself. Uh, who are you? Um, you know, let's let's start from the beginning and let's get to know you. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for having me once again. This is so dope <laughs> to be here. Uh, yes. My name is Aaron Morgan Smith Glenn. And uh, I am from Columbus, Ohio, uh, graduate of Columbus East High School, go Tigers. Uh, <laughs> and I, I migrated to the Dayton area in 2003 when I became a freshman at Central State University, the only public historically black college and university in the state of Ohio. And uh, more recently, the only other land grant institution besides the Ohio State University and I could go on and on and on about the accolades. But uh, after I matriculated through the program there, the art program, then I was accepted to the University of Cincinnati's DAP program, where I then earned a master's degree in fine arts with a concentration in 2D drawing and painting, multimedia. Um, and I dabble in other things as well. I draw, I paint, but I also crochet. I'm an installation artist, which is more on the sculptural side of things. Sure. Uh, and then I don't always make art with, uh, you know, your traditional media. Sometimes it's hair, hair supplies, hair decorations. That's my other sure. obsession. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention. I, um, well, at one time I even was like really serious about hair to the point where I was in a salon for about a year, huh. um, a few years back. And then COVID, you know, COVID made me choose. Sure. The choice was easy, obviously, you know, uh, I never left teaching full time uh, to do it. I just kind of found a way to fit it in my schedule. I had a hair chair in my kitchen. <laughs> it was a very big kitchen. And, um, you know, my clients would come there. Sometimes they'd come to the salon. And that is a very huge sense of community. Sure. Um, in many cultures. And so, yeah, I, I kind of like to do whatever I want to get my hands on. And um, it has served me well, and I'm hoping that I'm serving it well, you know, simultaneously. Um, but uh, I, I like to say that even though I'm from Columbus, my homes are Columbus, Dayton, and Cincinnati. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the question I have for you is, how does a student in a Columbus high school decide they want to go to Central State? Uh, assuming, and specifically in art, was it the the quality of the art program at Central State, or What's the story that got you from Columbus to uh, Wilberforce, Ohio at Central State? I really knew nothing about the art program, but my art teacher, uh, Lynn Prillerman Muse, she knew about it. She talked to my mom about it. And even though I wanted to get out of Ohio so bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going to Central State University and I have lots of lifelong friendships because of it. I've been associated with the university now for this is my 20th year being associated with Central State. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm getting ready to celebrate 20 years graduating from high school this year. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I'm really grateful for that to be able to say that. 
But uh, yeah, I'm two decades strong, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's terrific. Yeah. So I knew nothing about the art program, but I trusted the people that cared for me. And I went there and discovered a very accomplished art program that is now uh, fully accredited by the National Association of Schools of Art and Design. Wow. And um, only 13, I believe, maybe 16 total HBCUs in the nation are accredited through uh, NASAD is what we call it. And uh, we are one of them. Wow. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Growing up, did you, were you always drawing? Were you, did you have art in your in your blood and your everything growing up? Was that always a passion for you? That is a really interesting question. Um, although I don't have a family of artists, my mom is definitely the next best thing to what one might call an artist. She is a heck of an interior designer, not a decorator, but a designer of yeah. spaces from ceiling to floor. Literally she's I've watched her pull up carpet, put down cherry wood floors, install ceiling fans, fix her furnace, fix this, fix that, wow. install some columns, get bored with them, take them out, wow. paint, this, paint the walls, install crown molding, everything. She, she has an impeccable eye for every detail. The sockets covers matches the wall paint right. and everything. And so, and I have a, a cousin that draws as well on my dad's side, but I'm the only professional artist in my family. Everyone else is mostly like military and service, which is really great sure. because in a way I'm, you know, an artist is kind of serving, you know, unless they are just keeping it all to themselves. Um, but um, although I'm not a commercial artist, I do feel like I'm doing a community service. Yeah. As part of our conversation before we got going here, we talked about... Oh, sorry. I, I forgot know. to answer the other part of your question. That's okay. Man. You asked me if I was drawing growing up. Yes. So, uh, well, long story short, I had a complicated childhood. And because of that, I, I spent a lot of time just kind of looking at family photo albums when certain members were not there that I that most people grew up with, you know. But uh, so I would look at the albums and I was always intrigued by these photos from years back. And I always enjoyed drawing and sketching on pretty much any surface that I could find. Um, and so I think my first easel, if you will, with the air quotes, was a little chalkboard and chalk. And that's when my dad discovered me one day drawing, mm-hmm. signed me up for the Saturday morning art classes at the Columbus College of Art and Design. And I received a full scholarship to attend those Saturday morning classes. Wow. So that's kind of where my tutelage began. Fantastic. Uh, I think I was like eight. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. I am uh, intrigued by artists. that uh, The <laughs> skill is beyond comprehension for me. So that is amazing that you have that story. Thank I'm you. really good at stick people. Me too. I'm not even good at that. Like <laughs> I could draw one killer stick person with a head, you know, arms and legs. I mean, but I people can. downgrade that so much, but honestly, when we're sketching, we often do that, you know? Um, so it's, that's not the worst I mean, thing. It's where it starts. Stick person. Megan. I got you. I, oh, I'm so happy to know that I got right. you. Okay. <laughs> Um, Aaron, we had talked before a little bit um, when you came to Central State. Um, it was sort of a it, it is a male dominated area arena. Um, what was it like being one of the fem- few females in the program uh, and matriculating through that program that way? Well, art and design in itself is very male dominated, but I think there are many strides being made in more recent years to change that. For example, the fact that, you know, in in more recent years, like 
uh, when you go into museums nationwide, 89% of the representation is male. That really? leaves only 11% women. And so I will say this, museums are, all the, all the different art institutions and museums, I believe many of them are making strides to try to change that. For example, locally, the Dayton Art Institute, I think their charge lately has only been to purchase artwork by women and people of color. Great. And hopefully somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but that is, I think, their current charge at the Dayton Art Institute and other institutions are doing that around the nation. But um, I was never... Uh, you know, I, I never felt less than simply for being one of the only women in the program, but also one of the few that could really keep up with and surpass the, the guys in my class. And it was never because I came in there with that intention. I am just so richly ambitious, you know, um, and I just never could see myself doing anything otherwise. And so I knew I had to make it work. You know, because there was no other thing that I was interested in. I knew I had to have drive. Uh, I didn't know the term self-starter back then, but I certainly was a self-starter. And I became an entrepreneur when I was 11. That's when I sold my first piece. So that became very addictive. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Commissions. I was I was getting commissions in high school. Um, And I didn't always follow through with those commissions. And I can say that honestly now, I didn't always follow through with everything because I was still building my confidence. Sure. Uh, You know, while my skill was there and everybody's like, oh, you're so great, this, that, or the other. You know, I I was still trying to build my own confidence within myself. So sometimes I would do commissions. Other times I would be like, no, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, or I would be like, yeah, I can do it. But then I'm like, oh, I can't do it. You know, (laughs) you know, so that's that's something I feel comfortable with saying that because I think many people silently struggle with that. Sure. Did you go into your career? Uh, your education, knowing you wanted to teach art, or was that something that you made a change, or you got somebody asked you about it while you're in school? And today, have you ever thought about teaching art? You ask the greatest questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a sophomore when my professor and mentor Abner Cope, who I mentioned earlier, um, was the uh, he's still alive and well and kicking strong, and yeah. he's in Georgia painting every day, and. If you can imagine a master that gets stronger with age, like incredible. He's so incredible. He puts photographs to shame. Really? Oh, my goodness. Yes. But Abner Cope um, was the first uh, black student to graduate from Georgia Southern's uh, art program. And so he he just had his own way of approaching me without kind of letting me know what was up his sleeve. Like, you know, he's like, hey, you ever thought about teaching? And I'm like, no. Absolutely. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to be an artist. (laughs) Not realizing that I am definitely a stronger artist because I'm a teacher. All I do all day is sharpen my chops Mm -hmm. because as part of my teaching role, I have to demonstrate for my students and not only demonstrate, but I have to research because there's always new materials and and new and safer ways of approaching the same old thing. Mm. You know, like, for example, water soluble oil paint eliminates the use of turpentine in the classroom. Okay. so, you know, knowing things like that, you got to test it out and then come back and say, hey, look, you guys, look at what I found. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's so cool. And so um, teaching gives me the privilege of getting, you know, certain things that maybe a non-teaching artist would not have, uh, you know, the ability to have access to. So I am very grateful for that. 
Yeah. How has that translated? How has uh, your experience with uh, your mentor translated into your teaching? Do you find people in your classes, you're like, hey, I think you could be really something special. And do you sort of take them under your wing like he did for you? Um, so all four of my professors I actually had, well, it was four and like an adjunct, um, but they were all amazing. And so uh, those those names would be, I got a name drop now because yeah. I got a Please. Abner Cope, who uh, now resides in Georgia. It's, he's so funny. You know, I, I applied for his position and uh, when he retired and I didn't get in because I knew him. You know, as it turns out, I had the strongest portfolio. Um, and so um, like we all had the same kind of teaching experience, but I had the stronger portfolio. And so that's kind of what got me in. And they also knew I would uphold the integrity of the department sure. because our department, even though it's an art department, it's not a one size fits all. One art department compared to the next is not the same. Also, many of our students, uh, they're 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 not coming from privileged backgrounds. You have to know how to work with students that maybe have not always been encouraged and, and, you know, have not always been given all the tools that they needed and all the resources they needed, but have that raw talent and they just needed the the right kind of person in their, in their presence. And that's what I got from Abner Cope and Dwayne Daniel, uh, who is now my mentor um, on campus and also is a graduate of Central State, I believe 1985. Uh, he's going to get mad at me when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, let's see, Dr. Ronald Claxton, who leads the art education and history courses. And then uh, the man that really honed my drawing skills, because even though I'm a painter, I, I still prefer drawing. Okay. And that would be uh, Leroy Porter, who, oh, dang, I don't think he's in Cincinnati. I think he's in Michigan. I uh, hope I'm not wrong. But uh, he's another one like they both have just remained sharp and just steady and, and they're multi-award national winning artists, all of them. And they were even before I met them. Right. And so like to be in their presence is a true privilege and honor. And I realized it when I went to graduate school where I had good professors, but the experience was tailored a different way. And I'm glad that I was where I was for undergrad and got the training and the tutelage that I needed. Because in graduate school, that is where I became a more sharpened, more polished and more professional uh, artist that learned how to research. Mm. And uh, those things is what I learned in graduate school. Yeah. Yeah. What is your preferred medium for painting? Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) I paint in oil, uh, in acrylic. And also in chalk pastel, and many people don't realize that's actually a painting medium. Right. It is what I refer to as dry painting. Okay. And, it, you know, what's cool about it is that, you know, whenever I'm like, oh, man, I really want to paint, but I don't have time to prepare the palette for painting, I would just pull out my chalk pastel, which has all the same colors that you can achieve in paint. Okay. And it's just as, it's messier than paint. And it's fluid, you know, I was going to say, I, I, when I wrote this question down, I, I remember I asked you that last yeah. week mm. and I just remember thinking how messy that is. I love it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that has got to be the messiest of, of it all of is. it. Chuck gets everywhere. It's, it's, great. <laughs> it's great. So before I became a painter, I was like 19 when I was introduced to oil painting. Um, 
by Abner Cope. But before then, Leroy Porter had me drawing in charcoal from day oh. one. And I was like, yay, this is where I want to live <laughs> right. in this happy place for the rest of my life. I don't need paint. I got charcoal. But then, you know, Cope in so many words was like, you want to graduate? You want to pass? I know you want this A. <laughs> All right. He knew I wasn't trying to get nothing less than an A. I'm like, he knows I want that. Oh. Okay. Next thing you know, I was painting and not even drawing anymore. For a while, for years, I was painting, 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 and then had to go back to drawing for teaching purposes, you know. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I am. I let students know, honestly, like I didn't like the idea of painting. I hated it. I protested it. I was like, no, just let me charcoal. I'll make the most beautiful charcoal and chalk pastel drawings if you just let me. But, you know, I'm glad that I had the variety of courses that one needs sure. in order to know what they're truly made of, you know. Are you your worst critic? Yep. <laughs> Awful. That was quick. <laughs> Awful. God. And I teach my students, don't be cruel, be constructive. And I'm telling myself that, you know, and I tell them that too. You know, I like to be honest with them. I joke about my flaws. I didn't always do that. I'm 13 years in. It took me a while to really get there. But and I I wasn't so sure I would, you know, um, but as the years pass, I'm more excited about my role. I'm glad to say that because some people feel like you should start excited. And I'm like, I did actually start excited. You know, people asked me at the age of 25 when I started teaching, you know, they're like, what's it feel like to be back at Central State? And I'm like, it feels like being back at home, honestly, because when I was there as a student, it was hard to keep me out that studio. You know, anytime somebody need to look for me for whatever reason, they come through and be like, see, I told you guys she was in here. Aaron, come on. We got this meeting. We got to go to them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand on that. Do you have a, a muse or a, uh, a subject matter that you prefer to sketch or paint or is it just whatever you're feeling at the time? People are my muse. Okay. People are my muse to the point where I think I've suffered in other areas because I just cannot stay away from the portrait and from the figure. And I teach a class that's a, a tri-level class. So it's actually a beginning, intermediate and advanced level all in one class that I teach. Mm. And it's all surrounding the figure. And we draw it from the inside out um, and from every angle and using from the limited palette and we gradually stair step up to colors because color theory requires its own class. Really? It's right. a bear. And, and I love it though. I love to wrestle with it. <laughs> I love to wrestle with that bear. So, uh, but yeah, people are my muse. Um, and in particular people of color because, uh, well, you know, even though people of color have been the subject matter of paintings for so many years, it's the way they were captured. <laughs> Right. That is not always agreeable. And so I like to celebrate. Uh, I like to show people of color in a very celebratory and lively manner in my work. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I had a follow up question and that comment kind of drew it out of me. I, I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. A, no, that was great. It was such a good, such a good thing. What uh, I want to talk about this because it, it's we were talking beforehand you had an encounter with a, a celebrity, I'll call him, uh, who, <laughs> yeah. who came through Central State. And I, ever since Megan told me about it, I've been nothing but jealous. Uh, <laughs> do you, 
Would you mind recounting that story? Somebody very famous came to Central State and you actually presented a gift to him. Yeah, Mr. Wynton Marsalis. And I did sign it and, and I, I framed it right before I gave it to him. You know, I knew he was coming and I'm like, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss yeah. the opportunity just to see him, first of all, and to hear him and to ask him questions. And then I was like, I, I don't care what happens. I am going to make sure he walks out of here with a token of appreciation. And that's my best token of appreciation that I could possibly offer anyone. And even though it's a print uh, of a drawing, I hand signed it and framed it and and gave it to him. Um, but Wynton Marsalis is, you know, um, one of the premier musicians from New Orleans and his whole family is multi-talented, multifaceted. Yes. And his father even was a music teacher. Um, but New Orleans is one of those cities that I've always said, like, my body is born in Ohio, <laughs> born of Ohio, but my heart is from New Orleans. And I, I've always said that I've visited for the first time, even before my kids were born. And I've gone back about three or four times since, including last year where I got to, you know, knock Preservation Hall off my bucket list. Yeah. But um Talking to, well, listening to Wynton Marsalis, I'll talk about that. He accepted questions from the audience. Um, he was, you know, here obviously to perform at Clark State, but we were able to get him to come to Central State for a while to speak. And he, students were able to ask him from personal questions to very technical questions hmm. uh, in music. And right. that was really cool to see him respond to the informal and the formal. Um, my question was not nearly as serious as the students. <laughs> they all had much better questions than me. So my question was, do you ever play at Preservation Hall or Essence Fest? You know, and he's like, no, I don't get called for those, but it doesn't make me feel bad either. You know, because he gets called right to where he needs to be sure. called. And I really respect that about him. Yeah. So anybody that is that's listening and doesn't know who Wynton Marsalis is, first of all, shame on you. Go, go no, I'm the, just go to, the <laughs> go to the library or download his, find his website. I'm sure he's got music there. YouTube it. Um, he is the leader of the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. Yeah, he's um, also on uh, Facebook. Like, well, I don't know if he is, but there is a Wynton Marsalis page on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm, actually, you just reminded me when I gave him the Louis Armstrong drawing. You know, he shook my hand, which was great. You know, and I. Uh, I let him know because he was like, oh, man, Pops. That's what he refers to Louis Armstrong as. I never heard anybody refer to him as Pops. Right. I've always heard Satchmo, right. Satchel Mouth, uh, you know, um, but never heard Pops. And I guess it's because, you know, like Louis is the son of New Orleans. And Marsalis is the son of New Orleans. Right. And I told him, I said, it only made sense to gift you with this. You know, I, I drew that picture of Louis Armstrong five years ago on his birthday because he's my favorite trumpet player. Um, and I also love how he lived his life. He he went through a lot and always responded with the utmost dignity. Right. Oh, man. And like you could just learn from him even today, you know, how Louis Armstrong responded to uh, the negativity Um I mean, blatant negativity because he was black and talented and invented scatting. And like, so right. he was innovative too. He wasn't just talented. And, you know, during those times that was very threatening. And even so, you know, today, but not as much, but still it's there, you know, uh, it's not as blatant as much, but you know, it is what it is. We are obviously in black history month. Yeah. Um, how much of that, is I'm trying to ask this question in an intelligent manner and I'm not trying and I apologize if I stumble no, over did. here. 
Yeah. Uh, but how much of the black experience is infused into your art? Um, you mentioned, you know, you painted Louis Armstrong and the trials and tribulations and the un, probably unspeakable things that happened to him mm-hmm. during his career. How much of that is, do you try to put into your art um, with everything you do? I think even though there's times where I tried not to, right. <laughs> it just shows up, you know, but everything that I do is the black experience because Although people are my muse, I love a nice landscape drawing every now and then. Right. I love a sunset, sunrise drawing. and Full of fruit. Yeah. Still life. I I will draw just about anything. (laughs) And because I'm doing it, I am therefore bringing forth the black experience because how many landscape painters and, you know, do we know that are black? You know, uh, especially in this day and age. I mean, how do we how many do we even know historically? You know, I, I feel like Black History Month and and not to knock Fairborn or anything. But, man, if we could just talk about some more people, you know, uh, we love Dr. King, love him, love Rosa Parks. Right. You know, but there are so many other people who whose shoulders Dr. King stood on that even he would probably look today and be like, man, can you guys please mention these people to, you know, Frederick Douglass and, you know, uh, just Ida B. Wells. And and I I mean, I think now my daughter said they're talking about Paul Lawrence Dunbar, but I'm like, he's the son of Dayton. Why is he not? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Why is there not a street named after him in Fairborn? Honestly, I mean, he, he was really close friends with the Wright brothers, really close friends. They gave him a bike. Right. You know, um, and so it, we should talk about that should be more of a conversation here in in Green County. Right. Okay? Green County <laughs> needs to have that conversation more. It was really cool. We were we just came back from Washington, D.C. Oh, I'm jealous. And uh, oh, yeah, I heard. And, um, yeah, we we were walking around the portrait museum and they had a portrait of Paul Lawrence Dunbar. <gasps> Oh, oh, yeah. You know, he had some uh, moments in D.C. Yeah. And it was just really cool because, like, I took a picture of it and Claire's like, who are you taking a picture of? And I said, that's Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Yeah. And I'm like, he was really influential in in Dayton in our area. And it was just it was just really neat to see. To go away from Ohio and go to D.C. And just to see that. Well, you know, there's schools named after him there. Yeah. Right. So you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, you know, just, that's to, good. just yeah. to see that influence away from, you know, our area, but have it affect, you know, home. Uh, so I just thought that was, you know, it was pretty cool. That is really cool. Do you, well, you'll tell me later who did the portrait. I'm sure. I'll, to, I'll yeah, I have to send it to you. Oh yeah. Let me. Uh, this is a silly question. Who's your favorite artist? Oh man. Or who is your? I got categories. Give me a few. Yeah, give me a few. <laughs> uh, you can give me a few. I'm sure. I am biased, but Abner Cope is legend he is legend and um uh i'll start locally james pate Dwayne daniel abner cope their technical abilities and their fluidity to go from one medium to the next to the next to the next is just crazy good stuff man uh and i'm leaving and let's get into some more contemporary people as well right uh, Talia Farrell Sebastian is uh, a Central State grad who um, is a very profound artist living in Dayton, 
It's got a studio at Front Street. Uh, my friend Sydney King is a Fairborn resident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my girl. And she uh, infuses the figure and nature, um, which is the same thing, really, essentially. Um, and even more so lately, she's been infusing technology in nature, which mm. is really cool. I've, I've enjoyed her doing that a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, and then people in history, Elizabeth Catlett, first black woman to earn a master's in fine arts. Um well, Ashe to uh, Samela Lewis, Dr. Samela Lewis, she passed away last year. Oh, I mean, she was like 98. But she was the first black woman to earn a Ph.D. in art history. Um, and she also she also mentions uh, Willis Ping Davis in some of her books. So it, you can find some books from decades ago where even Willis Bing Davis has work in her books. It's crazy. Uh, so let me ask you that. He certainly gets a lot of publicity because he is a famous artist living in Dayton. Mm -hmm. uh, wonderful story recently. University of Dayton is going to be the repository for his collected works. Yes. Uh, which is terrific. Yes. Um, how influential has he been to the art movement in general? I'm not even going to say, you know, minority art or black art. Is it? it he's, in, he's an influence in oh, artists. Over the decades, I mean, he's influenced people that we now know as giants he's worked alongside people and has you know uh, rubbed elbows and shoulders with people like norman lewis you know um and you know uh, all sorts of people and and people like liz catlett and uh i believe i'm not sure how um much he knew Charles White, but he was uh, Charles White was a former husband of Liz Catlett, and he is who our gallery is named after at Central State University. Um, you know, Willis Bing Davis in the movement, another living epic legend. Um, I don't really even know where to start, but he, you know, I told my mother last year. I said, you know, it's finally occurred to me that I've been amongst giants all this time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and he's definitely one of them. But you you take it for granted, you know, when you're 18 and 20 and 25 even, you know. But now I'm just like more struck now than I was. Although when I met Bing Davis when I was 19, I knew who he was. Um, I was upset with my classmates that they didn't know when he came to campus. And I'm like, I know you. I know you. I saw you on PBS. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and when he encouraged me and told me not to stop and to keep going, like I was struck. I remember exactly where I was. I was in the ceramics studio and I was doing some things. And, you know, uh, and he came and looked at my work and gave me feedback when I was 19. And uh, some people would only hope to get that kind of you know, response from being Davis or even a person like being Davis, you know, and anyone that's ever been to the Dayton Art Institute um, knows that he has permanent pieces there, even at right. the National Museum, the National African-American Museum in Wilberforce, which sits adjacent to Central State. These yeah. got pieces in their permanent collection um, in permanent collections all over the country, possibly even in Africa, possibly. Um, I know wow. he's been to Africa several times and dined with kings and queens right you know? so i mean he, he's quite up there once you see a willis being davis piece you're going to see him everywhere like your own car hmm. <laughs> everywhere like i go to the hospital i'm like there's another one i go to the ponnet center there's another one I, I go to any university in the area pretty much no kidding pretty much you're going to see a being davis piece um so that that's really cool but uh 
he 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 was really close and I'll digress from here. But John Lockard, John Anya Lockard is the man that uh, influenced Abner Cope and who helped he and Bing Davis together helped bring Abner Cope to Central State back in 1980. Um, after he earned his master's degree, I believe, at Eastern Michigan, where John Anya Lockard was. But John Lockard, um, oh, my gosh, another giant right up there with being Davis, but with the technical skill, you know, like that was just crazy, crazy. And he and Bing were real close uh, before he passed away, I think, in about 2000. Uh, I don't want to get the year off. It was about five or six years back. But I'll just say this. When you first walk into the Paul Robeson Cultural and performing arts center on Central State's campus, the moment you look up, you cannot miss this beautiful, massive mural that was done by John Lockhart and an mm. apprentice. It's got a plaque. It was actually commissioned by a former president of Central State. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. How? Where does the? I'll I'll lump the Dayton all together. Where does where does the art scene? I'll call it in Dayton rank uh you know if you look at certainly performing and creative arts we have a, a lot of outlets i think for a community our size when you think of the dayton contemporary dance company you've got oh, all of these and we have wonderful Those museums guys. it's it's we have a terrific yeah. arts scene from a and uh, you know i'm an ignorant art lover right? like, i like what i like and i like seeing it. but as an artist where would you put dayton's art community uh among Mm. Among, you know, I'll just start with Ohio. I mean, I think we've got to be one of the top. But this is this is often a discussion. I want to first mention the African-American Visual Artists Guild that just celebrated 30 years last year and had their anniversary exhibit at the Dayton Art Institute. It was called Black Heritage Through Visual Rhythms. Um, I didn't participate in that one, but when they had the series uh, where the public got to come and listen to a series of speakers. I did a live demonstration on stage. So that was oh, wow. fun um, of Nina Simone. And I'll talk about her later. Mm. Um, but uh, they call it the gym city, right? You yep. know, and I think of gyms as things that ha- are hidden that you got to search for. But once you find it, it's like, whoa, that's so bright and shiny. Y'all come look at this. Does anybody <laughs> else see this? That is how I would say Dayton's art scene is. It is not as well known. The African-American Visual Artist Guild not too long ago became a national organization. And among their charter members is Bing Davis, sure, Dwayne Daniel, Clifford Darrett, who is also another favorite of mine. Um, and then their board members, they've, they've got beautiful, amazing board members that I admire, um, including um, Yvette Dalton and her sister, Andrea Cummings. Now, those are some women giants. Wow. Amazing women giants in the arts um, that I love. And I tell them that every time I see them. But um, Dayton's art scene it, it may not be as well known as Cincinnati's right. um, or even Columbus or even really Cleveland. But they exist underneath the rubble of the industrial revolution. Right. You know, right. it's there, it's growing. Cause Good. you got artists like Tiffany Clark that, you know, she's quite involved in right. the community and you got programs, excuse me, organizations like the contemporary Dayton visual arts center 
and, you know, downtown Dayton partnership. They, they put money in the artist's hands just to be out on the street creating. I've been doing that with the downtown Dayton partnership for years, for years. Um, or, you know, I'll just do a thing and they'll have a budget and here's money. Thank you so much for being out here. Right. You know, um, and I hope they don't get mad at me for that because I, they're going to have artists now at the door like, right. yeah, I heard y'all got money from I'm me here. just sitting out here. <laughs> no, it is not that easy, folks. Um, but they are the Downtown Dayton Partnership and DVAC, Dayton Visual Arts Center. Mm-hmm. They were part of the group that organized the um, and I'm saying this as well because I, I really want to see this in Fairborn, but the art raps. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. The art raps. Yeah. We need to see that well, in Fairborn. <clears throat> we need to see that. In Fairborn. Heard. <laughs> Heard. I have one. Mine is at Riverscape. Really? Yep. You'll see it. And they have the artist names on the art wraps. So for those of you that don't know what the art wraps are, well, just look up art wraps, Dayton, Ohio. And you'll see that uh, it was basically a call put out. The artist responded with up to three images. And if you got selected, they took your artwork, enlarged it onto a vinyl cover and wrapped it around these old, ugly electric boxes. Right. And there's a, about 13 or 15 of them in Dayton. There are some in Springfield. There were in Springfield before they were in Dayton. I don't know if that was the influence. Um, yeah, it could be. They're, they're all over the country. Yeah. So I'm happy to see Dayton do it in Fairborn, especially Fairborn and not have a huge art scene, even though they have the Fairborn Art Association, sure. even though Terry Lynn's down there. You know, um, th- there's not a presence for real where you just know to come here for the arts. There's not even really grants that's for you know, um, for the art programs here. So, um, now we yeah, did commission, a, we did commission a mural. We did. Uh, Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> that, that oh, okay. A, that was a bit controversial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the side of the library, the library. Is it mural. because Tony Moore's and his name is on it? No, not at all. It had nothing to do okay. with the books on it. Well, that was part of the crazy. criticism, but I figured no, it, yeah. was, it was more the building, uh, Thinking the building was historic, and how could you put a mural on a historic building like this? But right. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> oh. they have murals inside the building, so why can't they have them on the outside of the building? I, I I'm with you. Yeah, and I heard I, I did hear about that controversy. My own daughter heard about it, the controversy around that. Right. I'm so proud of Tiffany Clark though for doing her She's thing. She's terrific. She's from Fairborn. Yeah. Uh, her dad was a teacher at Fairborn High School for yeah. years and years. Her mom, Donna, they live in the community. Yeah. She mentioned Zachary Armstrong, who I didn't know until he was an art rap winner. And I, you know, sometimes when I'm in Dayton, I'll be like, ooh, found another art rap. So I posted Zachary Armstrong's and she was like, he's part of the reason why I'm an artist now. No kidding. Yeah. She she said he influenced so many of them to become artists. So, yeah. I'm going to keep talking. I'm gonna make Zachary Armstrong. Here. Yeah. With a C-H. <laughs> So let me ask you this, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I've been thinking about it while you've been talking, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, and I don't know whether this is an age thing, whether it's a life thing, uh, I don't know, maybe it's part of my midlife crisis, who knows what it is I'm going through, but. Here, here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've really started appreciating art more lately, and, and I guess I've just been thinking, you know, why, why is it that we need art so much, you know, is it, is it because it, it tells a story? Is it because, you know, we can see ourselves sometimes in the story that somebody else is telling? Is it because we can 
put ourselves in that person's shoes as we are seeing the same thing? You know, what is it about art that we inherently, that we all, that we need? I mean, you know, you need it because do I? You know, it's, <laughs> it's therapeutic for you. Yeah. Uh, I need it because sometimes just being in that space is therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you go into any art museum and it is so incredibly quiet. Yeah. And it is, it's just. But um, it's loud at the same time in another way. It is. Yeah. You know, and it depends on what kind of art you see, right? I mean, Mm. we went to, uh, I've been to the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, which is incredible. Yeah. You know, we went to the, the Portrait Museum in Pittsburgh and it's, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in certain places versus. This other museum in in DC it was it's called the Hirschhorn, mm-hmm. and it like this one room it was wall to wall painted with words and uh, I mean it it was that's installation I love it it was loud yeah but yet it was so soothing mm-hmm. and it's like what is it about art mm-hmm. that we as humans need. How will we know if imagination really exists if there's no art to bring imagination to life, right? Mm. I mean, just a few quotes. Art washes off the dust of daily life. Pablo Picasso, you know, uh, and one of my favorites, and I had a coffee mug that said that, you know, without art, the earth is just eh. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's great. I like it. Um, And I have all kinds of favorite quotes by artists, visual and performing. You know, Nina Simone said, you know, uh, I'll tell you what freedom is. It's no fear. You know, you cannot be an artist and have fear. One has to exist. They both cannot. It's like serving two masters, you know. Um, and, And she also said, how can you be an artist and not document the times. So we need artists for documentation. Artists are historians. And often a historian in certain organizations usually are artists by trade. Mm -hmm. That just happen to um, be good. Artists are good documenters. Archivists. Archivists, document. When you think of the uh, scribes from the ancient Egyptian civilization, um, those were like artists and and, uh, they were really meticulous artists or they pay attention to detail and we need people like that, that notice the things that no one else does. So, so that's another reason why art is important is to help us see, like really see and art helps us to envision, which is you can have sight and have no vision, you know? Um, And and that's scary. I'd, I'd rather be blind and still have vision, you know, Um, to, to envision things. Right. Uh, because to have sight and no vision is such a waste of such a beautiful sense. Um, so art, it serves purposes. The art is embedded in science. Art is rooted in science. Um, color theory was established by a scientist, you know. Um, so often when I'm in class, I'll tell my students, like, it's going to feel like math class today. It's going to feel like science class. You're in the chemistry lab right now. This is not the art studio. And so um, art helped me to appreciate science where I once was like, hated it. Love the periodic table. Everything else can go away. (laughs) Um, You know, but art helped me to appreciate science and math. Um, And art is, is necessary as well to help us 
communicate. So some things just cannot be said. It just can't be said. Um, and I believe the old expression is 99% of communication is unheard. Mm. Right. You know, so when you think about that art, uh, art in a nutshell is all of the subjects. Mm. It's all it's all the courses in, in the school. It's, it's in there. It has to be, there's a place for art everywhere. I love that idea that art is communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw this. Uh, yeah. From ancient times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You know, it's it's the it's the nonverbal becoming verbal. Yeah. Uh, and, right. yeah. you know, it's it's the yeah, I saw this one piece. It was it was the it was the United States all in mud. And it was. Mm. Wow. It was kind of it was in D.C. Yeah. Wow. And it was there were kind of smears. And it was, oh, neat. it was basically this artist's representation of um, the the way that African-Americans were kind of entering and how they entered the United States mm. and how, you know, the, the slavery movement was started, you know, and mm-hmm. how they were treated. And it was, this is how the United States was formed. You know, and it was just wow. this entire map. You got a picture of that too? Yeah. Okay. I mean, and it was just, just this visual representation of this is it. And I'm like. it. You can't unsee it once and, you see it. Right. You know, it's just this incredible. Way. So art is a teacher. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the. Yeah. And it just tells this story. And it just. I always tell people if I could, if I could take. I had the ability to take what is inside my head and like put it onto paper. It'd be amazing, but like I can't. Like I just can't. There's nothing. My fingers can draw sticks right. <laughs> and circles, <Yes. laughs> but I can't do anything circles, else. Circles. Oh, we actually often in class will use a series of circles and ovals in different uh, ways to form a whole body. So yeah, that's a starting point. See, look, you're further along no, than no. you realize. You don't man. understand. That's like right. that's the, no, no, I, I can draw stick people. I can see, <laughs> you know, it's funny when people come to me and they're like, I'm not an artist. And then next thing I know, they're like on my level. <laughs> I'm like, see, I told you, you just have to be taught the right way. Megan. Y'all gave me too much credit. <laughs> so Aaron, we mentioned when we introduced you, you're also an accomplished artist in your own right. Yeah. You have a solo exhibit coming up. I weren't allowed to let you leave without talking about that. So So I first need to thank some people. Sure. I need to thank the National Endowment of the Arts for supplying the Montgomery County Art Commission with money that then trickled down to other art organizations like Culture Works. Culture Works put out a call for art. Uh, for artists that resided in a certain radius and you had to meet certain criteria. How's it serving the community? What's new about it? Um, All of those different things. And as a result, the artists and certain art organizations, you either won a $5,000 grant or $15,000 grant if you were an organization. And so um, I'm happy to be a recipient of the renewal grant, which was born out of COVID. Um, so many beautiful things was born out of something so ugly, right? But that's what artists do too, because I, I can't even tell you how elated I was to be in my house, stuck inside in my studio um, <laughs> under lockdown. Under right. lockdown, I was jamming and also suffering too. Um, but as a result of that, I created several pieces, many of which will be in the solo exhibit called Heritage. 
a cultural journey and experience. And heritage is spelled with the word hair. So hair is in all caps. And then the rest of the word is spelled in low caps. Uh, so you can find it on Facebook, on Eventbrite. Um, I am uh, asking that people get a, a, their registered ticket on Eventbrite. And it's free to register, but the minimum uh, donation of at least a dollar and the money goes to support the Dayton Society of Artists. So I mentioned Dayton Visual Artists Center, which is not the same as the Dayton Society of Artists, which is in St. Anne's Hill District, right across from Stivers. Um, And what was a a nice big home um, by, uh, it's actually on the Ohio Registry. Mm. Um, And it was purchased, I believe, back in the 70s by the Dayton Society of Artists, which has been around for many, many years, many years. Mm. It was called the Dayton Society of Painters and Sculptors, and then they changed their name a few years back. Um, But I I did serve as vice president there um, for a little while around the pandemic. And um, and so uh, I I was able to speak to the gallery director and some of the board members and let them know, like, it'd be great if I could have my exhibit here. It it just I couldn't imagine too many other places that I really wanted it to be. Yeah. besides the Dayton Visual Arts Center. And I could have had it at the gallery on campus, but I've shown my work, you know, to the students and to the community. And I wanted something where other people can get on a bus line and get to, you know, um, it's very accessible. You can get on the bus and get to the exhibit. But uh, so the opening is Friday, March 3rd from 5 to 9 p.m. The artist talk uh, will be Saturday, March 11th, from 2 to 4 p.m. where we will be discussing informally my process. I really just want to take questions. I won't be really talking. I'll just be uh, taking questions. There will be a guest poet that will be doing a poem based on the theme of the show. Um, And also we'll be discussing the Crown Act, which is an acronym, C-R-O-W-N. And the Crown Act basically was created to um, make a respectable environment um, for black hair. Black hair is already a respectable thing in and of itself. It grows the way it does, period. But the environment surrounding black hair has not been respectful. As a matter of fact, even last night I was out listening to a musician friend of mine and I had to keep telling people not to touch me. Um, yeah, people just people like to reach out and just touch my hair. And when I have my African waist bees out, they like want to touch. And so I've had lots of good practice with, I don't like being touched. (laughs) Don't that is an accostment to my body and my person. And I teach my kids that because people have come up and wanted to touch my kids hair and touch them. And Oh, it's so different. Nah, it's not. It's different for you, but that doesn't give you the right to touch it. So we will be talking about things like you wouldn't touch any other part of my body that is a, a part of my body. And um, and I've experienced that for years. I've had I've had my hair, you know, touched on the airplanes, in restaurants, while I was eating, while I'm listening. Oh, oh my God. It is vile. Right. It's vile. The disrespect to black people and people of color. Um, even people from India, the Sikhs, people wanting to ask them to take their head wraps off so they can see their hair. That is so disrespectful. Um, You know, so it's not just about black hair, too. It's creating a respectable environment for everyone. Um, You know, so that 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 really is what it is. And then I forgot to mention the grand finale, Uh, March 31st. 
which is the final Friday in March, will be the closing reception. It will be quite huge with uh, all black um, vendors, a black mm. caterer. Uh, Kiara Wines is a black. Oh, let me mention Kiara Wines real quick. K-I-A-R-A is a black owned wine company in Dayton, Ohio by my friend Antoine Cunningham. He's a great guy. And he, it was his idea to say, Hey, let's create a raffle. Let's raffle off a oh, wine gosh. basket. So any, that's why I say go to Eventbrite and get your ticket. Cause if you don't get an Eventbrite ticket, um, all you have to do is pay a minimum of a dollar and, um, you can be entered in that, that drawing. And, um, and I won't, I, we will be drawing, uh, the winner's, uh, on March 31st okay. and um, we will also have Nikki DJ, uh, DJ Nikki Webb um, she um, will be the DJ and I'm very very excited to have her uh, we will have Dorian Pierce as the photographer, but he will also have a photo booth because I'm encouraging people that if they feel so inclined to come in their Afrocentric uh, garb or hairstyles even as long as it's respectable um, that they be photographed by him in the photo booth and there will even be awards for that because we're encouraging things like very expressive um, ways to wear the do-rag hmm. the bonnet maybe having a matching outfit hmm. I really want to see people step out in a way because the do-rag and the bonnet and scarves and things have often been looked down on even more than hair itself. But the first person to be photographed in a do-rag before it was called a do-rag was Harriet Tubman. Right. So, uh, you know, and, and since then we have used it as a crown and not just a rag. And that's it, it, that's how I see the do-rag and the bonnet. And I want people to feel like they can celebrate it as a crown and not simply a rag. So March 3rd is the opening. March 11th is the artist discussion. March 31st is the closing reception. And also my birthday. I do accept <laughs> gifts all month. Of course. Um, <laughs> I might change a few times at the closing reception. Feel free to do the same if you want. Right. Um, and I also need to thank the people of the Dayton Society of Artists. The gallery director, Josephine Bell, we call her Joe. Hey, Joe. Uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me have my exhibit there. I met with her the other day. She's so great. And all my friends who are the board members, I, I can't name everybody because if I miss even one person, then I'll feel bad. But shout out to the Dayton Society of Artists and uh, hopefully they'll gain new members from this as well. There are student the reduced membership rates, depending like if you're a student and other things, uh, they do have a website, check out the Dayton society of artists website. It is very active. Uh, and they meet every second Saturday of the month for live drawing from nine 30 to noon. Wow. So right before my artist talk from nine 30 to noon will be live drawing. And I will be there for that because wow. live drawing from the live figure is kind of rare around here where you can just pay a very, very low fee, very low fee to get in there and draw from the live model. And you don't have to be trained. You just have to be, I think at least 16. Um, and it's a great experience. So, um, I don't think I'm leaving out too much of anything else, but, uh, just wanted to, Oh, you did ask me earlier, some of my favorite artists and it just kind of spilled <laughs> Amy Sherald, who did the portrait of Michelle Obama, <laughs> Kahende Wiley, who did the portrait of Barack Obama, 
Honey Rosales, who's gone by, she goes by the name Harmonia Rosales, who is basically a black woman in the guise of Michelangelo Buonarotti, but better. Mm. But better, and I love Michelangelo Buonarotti, but he hated painting. Um, and, and, you know, and, and it showed up in some ways. You know, like he was good at it, but he hated it. Right. But Harmonia Rosales is another person I love. Uh, Edgar Degas, um, so many uh, people. Oh, oh, Augusta Savage, um, all the people from the Harlem Renaissance movement. There, got <laughs> <laughs> them all. That's a great way to end. Yeah, so. Yeah. Aaron Smith Glenn, thank you for being here. Thank you, your thank story. you, thank you for having um, me. I want to get a plug in before we leave. Um, we have a wonderful new shop in downtown Fairborn, uh, the African Utopia, Fairborn African Utopia. Thank you for mentioning them. Uh, Sylvia Chess and her husband James yeah. uh, started that. I'm, I'm supposed to be talking to them soon. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. You reminded me. If you need something to wear to your your show, yeah, um, check them out. The, yeah, please check them out. They've got a That's great perfect. selection. I um, and they have they have everything from art. Um, if you want to just take, go have a cup of tea, Sylvia would love to have a cup of tea with you, she said. Uh, I'm going to so, go yeah. have a cup of tea with it. Well, she can drink tea and I'll drink coffee. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So, we, and then, and that's kind of a theme. I'll finish with this, that if you're paying attention with what's going on in Fairborn, we've got some wonderful, uh, Minority entrepreneurs that are doing some great things downtown. We've got a massage uh, therapist that's right next to the honey pot. Right. She's black. Um, Courtney and James at the main, main event center, main house event center. They just oh. put out, uh, folks. we have something uh, in March coming up, uh, like a, what? a princess tea. They have something, they have a, a bunny brunch in April. That's yep. so that, cute. Uh, they've got. Uh, so the African like, Utopia is actually doing brunch. a fashion show on Sunday yep. at the main I'm house so event center. I'm so happy you told to me that. I didn't know that. You could buy tickets. At Where the do we find this out? So um, they, it's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. We've shared. Airborne's we've Facebook we, we've shared it. Ah, oh, um, okay, okay. I need to turn on my notifications. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a classic thing, you know. We've we've got plenty of things that we share that people are. Uh, it, it's hard to to know everything, right? It's hard to get. I want, but I want to. I know, but it's it's the hard <laughs> yeah. part of knowing yeah. everything. This so. is the life. <laughs> so yeah, again, if you're paying attention, we have some wonderful things happening, particularly in our downtown, with with some amazing entrepreneurs that are awesome. investing in their. Hometowns awesome. in those cases, yeah. uh, which is terrific. So, again, Aaron, thank you for being here. Appreciate this has your been such a treat. Thank you. Um, and if we do the uh, art wraps, uh, we may have to have you do one of those art wraps for us. Yeah, let's do an art wrap. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. Let's get Tiffany Clark and Sydney King in there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Sydney has an art wrap in Dayton too. She's one of the art wrap winners. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Great. Again. She's going to be on the podcast. I just got to send her a message. Word. Yeah. So thanks for being with us. Thanks. Thank you. This has been Rumor Has It. Peace. Peace out.